Hi, and welcome to the Sustainably Speaking podcast. I'm your host, Mia Quinn. In this second episode of our look at sustainability in fashion, I'm talking with Brooke Roberts-Islam. Brooke is a fashion sustainability pioneer whose tenure in the fashion industry includes working at major fashion labels like LVMH and Loewe, and is a senior contributor at Forbes on fashion sustainability. Now, she's helping fashion businesses identify and reduce climate impacts through her work with Textiler. She's got amazing credentials to answer my many questions about how to move toward a more circular, sustainable fashion industry. Brooke, first of all, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, Mia, on the podcast. It's great to be here. First, I want to say that it's been really exciting and rewarding for us on the show as we've been focusing on sustainability in the fashion industry. I can't think of a better person to walk us even further down the runway in this conversation. I'd love to start by asking you about your career trajectory, because it's not linear. So how did you get into fashion? My first career wasn't actually in fashion. It was in uh, the medical field. In the late 90s, I graduated from my first degree. And then I moved from my home country of Australia to the UK, looking for a different career, actually. Uh, I love science and I love uh, the medical field, but I'm also a really creative person. And so I continued to work in the National Health Service here in the UK, where I'm still based, and studied fashion design at the same time. Around the mid-2000s, I graduated and launched my fashion career. And in order to get my brand off the ground, I needed to work really closely with factories. So I was doing some experimental work really with factories in Europe, on the ground, in the facilities, making the textiles, making products, selling them, and learning a lot about the supply chain in the process. So I spent around four or five years doing that. And during that time with my brand, I was enlisted to consult for other brands. And I worked for a very big company called LVMH, the Louis Vuitton group. And within that, one of their brands, Loewe, and then worked for a number of other sort of smaller emerging brands as well as a technical expert in knitwear. And so... I began to, I guess you could say, become a bit of a spokesperson for fashion and technology and somebody who was known for having experience in both areas and was perhaps a thought leader in some ways. What brought you to where you are now? I mean, that's the sequence could have gone many ways, but it led you to to more about the materials development and the sustainability aspect of it all. Why? In the last three sort of three to five years my work's really evolved as a leader in a sort of commentary around sustainability and particularly material sustainability for fashion technology not just from the point of view of a journalist and a writer and an analyst but as someone who's worked in the industry who's worked in the supply chain who's developed materials and products and someone who's from a science background and and is comfortable you know, understanding the the sort of chemical components of materials as well as the engineering side. You talked a lot about materials and the material aspect of design. Talk to me about what you think needs to change. What's kind of the challenge and where are the solutions? There's a really um, specific reason why materials is so central to these questions that you're asking. And it's because materials for the majority of apparel products account for the largest part of that product's footprint. 
So it's the the growth or extraction of the raw material. In certain cases, it may be that 70 to 80 percent of the overall impact of a product from cradle to gate, which means from the source of the raw material to when the product leaves the brand's facilities and is heads to the door of the consumer is within the material. Sometimes we falsely think it's about the cutting and the sewing of a garment or the shipping of it from, you know, one country to another and the warehousing and the freight, but actually they're tiny compared to the impacts that are in the material. So it's really, it's the key to unlocking the sustainability challenges that the fashion and textile industry face. So what kind of materials should we be focusing on, both as consumers and maybe also for the industry? Well, it's a really difficult uh, question to answer because it depends on many factors. One of the key factors is to understand what the material is for. What's the product for? So I'll I'll give you a a quick example. So at the moment, there's a a huge move for brands towards alternative leathers. It could be a leather made out of something that's plant-based like a cactus or pineapple. And those materials can be processed in such a way that they're sort of laminated to to look and behave somewhat like, you know, beef origin leather. And On paper, that can look great because the carbon footprint of the material um, may be lower. But if that material is then used to make a product that lasts for only a quarter of the time and that can't be recycled and can't return benignly to the environment when it's no longer needed, then the material choice um, depends on, you know, very different factors. I know it's not a straightforward answer, um, but it really is a complex problem. And, and and another thing to consider here too is the processes that are used in, in treating that material and, and getting it into the final product. I'm thinking about like, I have these socks now that I love that I'm pretty sure are synthetic. There's like part wool, but there's part polyester. And finally, I have something that keeps me warm. Because it's both materials, am I not being more sustainable? I would never label something in a sort of binary sense as either sustainable or not sustainable. And the reason is because so many factors come into play. So you've given a great example there, Mia, where this is a product that you need and it's not a product that you're not valuing. It's certainly not something you're going to throw in landfill anytime soon. You're going to wear it for as long as you can and as many times as you can. And that is critical because what you're doing is purchasing something that you intend to make very good use of and the resources that have gone into making that product are going to be borne out throughout its life. This is not a case of buying, you know, 50 different pairs of socks because of the sort of desire to wear something different every day that you're not really attached to on a needs basis. So that's central to the this whole debate actually is buying what you need keeping it for longer, using it for longer, and not throwing it in the bin. It's a really important part that I think we sometimes underestimate in terms of the power that it it has and also the message that it can inadvertently send to a brand when you're not going back to purchase the same thing every week. 
So you mentioned to me when we spoke earlier that synthetics can actually be lower impact than natural materials. Will you talk to me about that? So this is something that's coming up increasingly in the narrative around sustainability. And the reason it's come to light is because brands, because of increasing pressure and the desire to set environmental targets, particularly emissions reduction targets, they're being forced to look at the emissions impact attributed to the materials that are used in their products. So that's triggered a lot of assessments and comparisons between, for example, the impacts of cotton and the impacts of petrochemical derived polyester. So in the extraction phase for the raw material, there's LCA data, which is life cycle analysis data that pits wrongly or rightly, you know, LCAs shouldn't be directly compared, but there is data out there that has indicated to brands that there are less impacts in the raw materials attributed to polyester than there are to cotton. And what about using recycled materials? Using recycled materials is definitely becoming an important facet of what you could term sustainable material strategies that brands are using, but it faces significant challenges. Um, Some of them are technological and infrastructural. Some of them are more to do with competition, actually market competition. So to give you some examples, companies have recently set ambitious targets around the volume of recycled plastics they're going to use in their products for the years to come, so up to 2025 and 2030. And so the volumes that they are committing to include of recycled content will have a direct impact on the fashion and textile industry's ability to increase their proportion of recycled content in their materials. How come? So right now, around 8% of the global fibre market is from recycled fibres right now for fashion and textiles. And about 7% of that is RPET from plastic bottles. Less than 1% of recycled content for fashion and textiles comes from textiles itself. So this is where there's a huge roadblock because as companies ups the percentages of recycled content, fashion will no longer be able to access those current volumes of RPET from plastic bottles. Chemical recycling is one term for it. Advanced recycling is another. And we're seeing that being more and more embraced. Are you seeing that to getting the textile industry more of the supply they need? There's plenty of evidence out there that says that there's an increase in efforts on the chemical recycling side in Europe where they're they're receiving significant investment to develop chemical recycling solutions for textile to textile processing. It's definitely happening. I think there's been faster shifts in what I'm going to loosely term as easier areas of the industry. And so there are companies that have achieved very, very high quality chemical recycled outputs from cotton waste. So those processes have been well established in Europe. They're very well funded. They're at commercial scale and the demand far outstrips the supply. We talked a lot about supply. There's so much more demand than supply. And it sounds like the issue here generally is collection. We have to like do better and figure out better processes for collecting these items so that we have the supply to recycle and to use. What do you see happening on the collection side? 
So there's some really interesting pilots running at the moment with companies. They're establishing workflows and systems to channel waste. How do we sort materials effectively and work out what's in it or in these materials? And then how do we channel them either to you know, resale back into that market and for the, the materials and the, the products that aren't fit for, for that route, how do we then channel them into the recycling infrastructure? You know, how does that happen? And as an extension, how do we automate that? How do we make it efficient so that ultimately, once these systems are devised and set up and that the flows are, are happening, that the output isn't too expensive to sort of disrupt and replace the incumbent virgin materials that have the higher impacts um, and that are the barrier to getting to circularity. What do you see as like um, kind of the hope <laughs> or, or where, you know, where do you see like what's the future? Because, you know, I want to see like how we get where we want to go. I actually should really say I am extremely hopeful Despite the things I'm, I'm telling you, that's the evidence, that's the pragmatism, and that's the only way to get to the solutions. So despite all the things I've said and, and how they might come across as, as sort of not negative, but very sobering, as you said, this is what leads us to what is incredibly exciting and what the, the opportunity is. So looking at things from that lens, if we assess the global fiber market as it is today, around 64% of global fibers used in fashion and textiles are synthetic. So this is a massive opportunity. Cotton's 20%, 25 maybe of global fibers. Wool is 1%. You know, we can very quickly look at synthetics and say, right, this is the majority of the global fiber market and it's growing, by the way. It's growing faster and has the capacity to grow faster than any other fiber type because it doesn't have the same limitations like, you know, land to grow cotton. So we know that this is where the challenges, but also where the solutions are. We haven't really touched on the fashion and textiles industries part in the climate crisis and, you know, it's sort of degree of responsibility, but suffice to say, it's probably more important for all of us to think about how big our homes are and how much heating and cooling they require and how much petrol we put in our cars um, because they are going to have a far bigger impact on the planet than the clothes that we buy. Not to say it's not important, it is, but I also just want to kind of remind everyone too that fashion is just one bit of a bigger picture. If you're really worried about your sustainability impact as a person, then looking into your energy usage in those other areas is really, really important. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you so much for being here today. It's so interesting. And your path and your your journey and everything you've done is, is, is amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And to our listeners, thanks for being with us. We hope you also enjoyed this episode. If you haven't already, be sure to check out my previous interview with Dr. Julie Willoughby, another game-changing force in the fashion industry. As always, send us your suggestions. Let us know what you want to talk about. I'll see you next time on Sustainably Speaking.